1: Now, it's true that followers of Jesus are called slaves, but it doesn't, that alone doesn't describe the relationship that we enjoy with the Lord. Incredibly, we are invited to be his friends, which is a title that's even more exalted than disciples. You know, in the Old Testament, there's only two people who were called a friend of God, Moses and Abraham.
2: We'll learn more about what it means to be a friend of God on this edition of Study Verse by Verse. Welcome to another edition of our program featuring the teaching of Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout, so glad you could join us as we start off a new week. Pastor Leighton is continuing in the book of John, the 15th chapter, but he'll be in Romans and Hebrews, so keep your uh, Bible handy so you can follow along.
1: Now, Jesus is fully aware, though the disciples are not, that his crucifixion is only a few hours away, and that Jesus was going to die that others might live. This is a supreme test of love. Now, some have raised the question, well, is dying for one's enemies even better or stronger or greater than dying for one's friends? And that's not a question that Jesus addresses directly here because he's surrounded by his friends. But it is a question that Jesus answered. Because according to Romans chapter 5, Paul wrote, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Now very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In 1 John 3:16, the apostle wrote, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. And then he continues expressing the practical application of that truth. He writes, Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue only, but in deed and truth. So the friends of Jesus show their love for, for one another by meeting each other's need. To lay down your life for your spouse or your neighbor or your friend is not only the proof, but it's also the pathway and the practical practice or expression of love. The decision to set aside your own dreams, your own desires, your own wants, your own needs, your own agenda in order to minister to someone else is Love. Now, the second characteristic of Jesus' friends is that they obey Jesus. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Now, in the next verse, when we look at it, we're going to look at what it means to be friends with Jesus. But let's look at the conditional here. If you do what I command you. Obedience and faith are closely linked throughout Scripture. For instance, in Hebrews 11 we have a chapter that's dedicated to describing the lives of people who are outstanding in their faith. And their faith was expressed through obedience. Peter wrote that believers were chosen to obey Jesus Christ in 1 Peter chapter 1. Previous in our study of the Gospel of John in chapter 3, in verse 36, we read, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life but the wrath of God abides on him. And so there's a connection between obedience and faith. In fact, W.E. Vine points out that the word pithéo, to obey, and pistou, to trust, are closely related etymologically. And the difference in meaning is that the former implies that obedience is produced by the latter, which is faith and trust and belief. So when a man or a woman obeys God, he gives the only possible evidence that in his heart he believes God. Now, we need to be reminded that obedience does not produce salvation, that salvation is solely based on grace through faith and not the result of works so that no one can boast, Ephesians chapter 2. Although obedience never produces salvation, salvation should always produce obedience, Remember what James wrote in chapter uh, 2, that faith without works is dead. Now, the third characteristic of friends of Jesus is that no divine truth. And this one's fascinating. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. And so Jesus called us to be his friends he says that he's no longer in terms of just slaves anymore. Now the word slaves there were sometimes it's translated servants, but the word actually means slaves. The word is doulos, was actually a title that the great believers of uh, the Old Testament considered an honor. For instance, Moses was a doulos, a slave of God, as was Joshua and Caleb and David, and 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 then in the New Testament, Paul counted it an honor to be a doulos of God as did as did James and so many others some of the greatest people of faith considered it an honor to be a slave of God and Jesus said i've got something even greater for you you're no longer slaves you are friends and he offers an intimacy with God that not even the greatest men of the old testament had the privilege of enjoying now the idea of being a friend of God <clears throat> has a background in the customs of the Roman Empire and the ancient East. Because in the courts, there was a select group of men called the friends of the king or the friends of the emperor who had access to the king or the emperor at all times. They could even walk in to their bedroom in the middle of the night and wake them out of a sound sleep. They were friends who had the closest possible connection. Now, by contrast, a slave or a servant is no more than a human instrument. They're not called upon to, to interact with their owner, or their, but, but simply to do what, what they're told to do. But this is not the pattern of relationship between Jesus and his disciples. Now, it's true that followers of Jesus are called slaves, but it doesn't, that alone doesn't describe the relationship that we enjoy with the Lord. Incredibly, we are invited to be his friends, which is a title that's even more exalted than disciples. You know, in the Old Testament, there's only two people who were called a friend of God. Moses and Abraham. And the nature of the relationship between God and Abraham is an illustration of the main point that Jesus is is making here. The significance of the relationship and the communication between Abraham and God, that God would come and talk with Abraham and open up his mind and his thoughts and his plans to Abraham. A classic example of this is found in Genesis chapter 18, when God comes and visits Abraham. And then at the end of his visit, he says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? No. And then he goes on to share with Abraham that he is going to, to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham knew that his nephew Lot and his family were there. And so Abraham interceded on Lot's behalf. And he asked the Lord, if there's just five people that are righteous in that city, will you save the city? And because of his special relationship with God, God said, if I can find five people, I will spare the city. The problem is, is there wasn't five people that were righteous in the city of Sodom. But Abraham had this special relationship with God. And God shared his thoughts and his plans with Abraham. When the disciples disciples asked Jesus one time, Why do you speak to the crowds in parables? Matthew 13, Jesus said, To you it has been granted the mysteries, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it's not been granted. Now, the term mystery in the New Testament refers to things that have been hidden in the past but have been revealed by Jesus to the apostles and then to us. There are are various mysteries that have been revealed in the New Testament. The, The mystery of the kingdom of heaven, the mystery of the hardening of Israel, the mystery of the union between Christ and his church, the mystery that the Messiah would be God incarnate many mysteries that have been revealed to us. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. But that is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's Spirit so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. And when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual... ...can understand what the Spirit means. 2 Corinthians 2, 7 and following. Now it might seem strange to us... ...that Jesus would invite the disciples to be his friends... ...and then turn around and give them a command. I mean, it would be strange for us to do that. Would you be my friend? I command you to do such and such. You know, how could Jesus do something like this? Well, it's important for us to understand the nature of the friendship... ...involved here... This is not a friendship between two equals. This is a friendship between creator and creation. Between almighty, all-knowing God and finite, fragile man. Between holy God and sinful man. You see, we are friends of God by grace. And that means we can't approach God as his equal or dictate the terms of our friendship. It means we must always approach Him in gratitude and humility, bearing in mind that this relationship, this friendship, only exists because He has stooped to our level and invited us to have this friendship.
2: Do you spend more time thinking about your earthly friendships than your heavenly, your eternal friendships? We're going to continue to uh, hear Pastor Layton teach on this subject as he once more returns to the book of John at this same time tomorrow and the 15th chapter. I hope you can join us. This is a broadcast, a daily broadcast, called Study Verse by Verse, sponsored by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout, and our teacher is Pastor Leighton Sheely. If you're thinking about uh, education for your children, consider Highlands Christian Schools serving the California Bay Area since 1966 and on the web at highlandschristianschools.com. Check them out. That's highlandschristianschools.com, pre-K through high school. And more information about this ministry is on the web at studyversebyverse.com. Join us again tomorrow at this same time when Pastor Layton will open the Word of God and we will study verse by verse.